Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Tundel and today I want to share with you somebody who is inspiring women to say yes to the mess. Monica Rogers is a coach and the founder of the Revelation Project podcast where she helps women to reveal toxic myths of social conditioning and self-doubt in order to love their imperfect selves. Hi Monica, I'm so grateful to have you in the show and thank you for joining us today. Oh, hey Gertz, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, bless you. I'm just really excited to just share with you your journey and yeah, I want to I want to go back a little bit. So like I want to share what your life was like before you changed your life around. <laughs> sure. So, um I would t- if if that were the case, I would take you back to 2008 <clears throat> right before I went through what I now understand was an initiation, you know, into mm-hmm. into like my I think I believe like my soul contract or my spiritual curriculum, but but at that time before that happened, I was doing what they say we women can do. Um, I was doing all the things because of course I was also as a daughter of the patriarchy trying to prove my value and my worth. And I thought that it was outside of me. And so I was raising venture capital. I was building an empire on quicksand, I like to say. I, I was married. I, you know, I, I checked all the boxes. I had the handsome husband and the two children and the two dogs and a white picket fence and lived in a beautiful house. And I was a career professional and having my products featured on the today show and in style magazine. And I had never been more miserable in my entire life. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Gosh, and how how old were you at that time? If you don't mind me asking. No, I don't mind at all. So I'm um, 51 now. So I was, yeah, so I was just coming up to my, gosh, I guess at that point I was like 38, 39 years old. Yeah. Wow. See, I still think that's beautiful. Like it really doesn't really matter what age you are. Like like the divine will wake you up when you're meant to wake up. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that is, that is so true. And I think that the divine had been doing that, you know, like I had been getting the gentle taps and then they weren't so gentle. And then because I wasn't listening, I got the universal smackdown. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And, and, and at that point, you know, it came as well in the form of, um, a true like crisis where everything, I feel like I was visited by the goddess Kali. Although at the time I, I didn't have access, right. I mean, I say this in hindsight, but at that time in my life, I didn't have access to the mythologies or the herstories that we, um, or even a sense of spiritual autonomy. And I can talk more about that in a minute, but this, you know, when this whole thing happened, it came in the form of 
a divorce, a economic crisis. Um, I lost all of the venture capital. I, I was sued. Um, I, um, I ended up having a health crisis, um, literally everything. And I mean, everything. I always say, I'm so grateful that she left me my children because that (laughs) truly is what happened. It was like something came and wiped out my life and anything that wasn't truly aligned with the truth of who I was had to go. And at that time, I didn't even know who I was because I had so much internalized misogyny and all of these um, crazy messages of unworthiness that I had internalized inside of myself. And so this whole experience was all about going on a journey to re-inhabit myself and to really find out what I was truly made of. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I have no words. Gosh, wow. It just shows, doesn't it? Like sometimes if we're not, I always feel like the universe is giving us small signs. It's like giving us a pat on the shoulder, like, Hey, it's time to change. It's time to change. Mm. But if we don't listen, it's like, right, I'm going to give you something so big that it's going to force you to change. And I really understand that because in 2012, I was a journalist. I was living that high life. Um, but I was unhappy from within. I had all the clothes and everything, but I always just felt like lost. And so, <laughs> as she said, like the universe works, I was trying to date guys and it wasn't going well, kept attracting the wrong types. And then I was made redundant. Then I had a cancer scare and like my life just went off the rails. And I remember it was actually when I came out of the hospital, just before I came out of the hospital and the, the doctor said, we misdiagnosed you. That's when I heard it's time to heal. But at that point in my life, I thought, why me? <laughs> what have I done to deserve this? And there was a voice like, I kid you not, Monica, there was a voice when I was sat in the hospital and it said, you you created this yourself. And I looked around the room and I was like, who? Who is this person talking to me? And nobody was there. <laughs> I know. I, I actually know that voice. Right. I, I, yeah, I had I had a very similar experience. Oh, what was your inner voice saying to you? Because mine was like it's time to, you created this. And then when I ran out of the hospital crying, it was like, it's time to heal. And I said, yes, okay, I'm listening. Yeah. Okay. So the voice, um, the first time I heard the voice very, very clearly was, um, I, this was kind of before everything fell apart. Like let's, let's say about, um, a few weeks, right. Before Ah. like, like it all went down was, um, my, gosh, I was at the time I was in an emotionally abusive marriage and we've, we've come a long way. We divorced, um, finally, but, um, he became, he had, he also was raised just as I was raised as a daughter of the patriarchy. He Mm. was raised to stay in the, in the man box. Right. And the man box is where men are only allowed the emotion of rage, right? They're <laughs> they're not allowed to show their feelings. They're not allowed to, I mean, we're all taught to repress the feminine. And of course yeah. it has really, really um, devastating impacts to both men and women. But so, so my ex and I really have come to kind of under, understand this, right? But, um, But at that time, he was very emotionally abusive and I was unable to step into my own sovereignty. And so I tolerated it. And so what would happen was 
he would come home, you know, from work and he would take out his rage on <gasps> me and the kids and he wouldn't physically harm us, which I know is a lot of women's experience, but he would emotionally, right. Terrorize us. And secret is bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there was a time, um, and this was again, it was just, I had gotten to a point where I was, I, I had been kind of saying inside of myself for, for months, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Please. Like, I don't know who I was praying to, but I was saying like, please like help me. Right. And one day he came home from work and he was in a rage and he actually, um, went to kind of, uh, take it out on me. And I put my hand up and I just said, Ah. no, like stop. And so he turned actually to my cousin that was staying with us Ah. at the time. And he started to berate her. And my daughter was clutching my leg. My daughter was only six at the time. And she, she had started to do this quite often. She would clutch my leg and say, mommy, please make him stop. Please make him stop. Yeah. And my three-year-old boy was, was twisting in the curtains. He had a way of just self-soothing and hiding himself until his dad's outrage was finished. And in this moment, I had this hologram experience where all of a sudden what opened up for me as I was watching him berate my cousin was she was behaving just like me when Ah. I was dealing with men in a rage, which was that I would become very calm and I would put on like my hostage negotiator mask because we're used to dealing with men and rage. Right. Mm. But I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't seen, and now I was seeing it from the perspective of my daughter and my female cousin. And suddenly like this hologram opened up and suddenly I saw my whole matrilineal line ending with my daughter clinging to my leg. And the voice said, you are the ruler of your own life. And if you don't break this chain, she will inherit it. Oh my God. I have goosebumps as you're saying that. Wow. That is the divine. Definitely. Oh my God. Wow. But Mm -hmm. just what you're saying is so true. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, it is so true. Like women have for years have just taken abuse from men. And I think a lot of women as well, we don't realize like a lot of it's down to our lineage. So if our mothers didn't stand up for themselves, we wouldn't know better. And then how do we expect the future, like your daughter, how to know how to stand up for herself if we're not actually representing that? It's so, it's exactly right. I mean, we can't, be it if we can't see it. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, that that's just it. It's like, I didn't have a model for what it looked like for a woman to fully embody her own sovereignty. Right. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I, I say that the veils were lifted and I had a revelation and I always say that a revelation comes when we are, when we are ready to get out of our comfort zone or when we're out of our comfort zone, because in that moment, it's like we break the illusion that keeps us complacent and keeps us silent and keeps us voiceless and small. And I was in what I often call 
the trance of unworthiness. And that is like literally a curse, a trance that women have been in since the dawn of patriarchy. Yeah. Honestly, I really understand this, the patriarchy like a lot because within my culture, so I'm Indian, it's mm. still there, like the misogyny. And, you know, if you have a voice, you're a bad woman. Um, and I was like the same for years, Monica. Like I grew up being the people pleaser, the good girl, you know, being all smiley, smiley for everybody, right? And the moment I um, I got my voice and the moment I started to speak my truth, whew, shunned, there's something wrong with me. People like would say to my family, like, God, she's full of herself. And it's like, no, because we're not used to women speaking up. Because That's right. when was the last time we've actually seen a woman speak up? And most of the time it might be on TV, but that was not a family member. And you really have to become your own role model to then shift future generations to come. You really do. And I love what you're pointing to. Um, and, and that is the disease I call of the trance is to be pretty, pleasing and polite. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and so it really it really keeps the status quo in place and um you know and it also you know this this goes back I mean the the way that women have been treated in our in our culture and in our societies worldwide has been sanctioned by religions right Mm. by patriarchal religions it's been I mean, yeah. really woven into the fabric of our culture. And the thing is, though, when women start to, to actually become full of ourselves, that's when we actually come back into our own bodies. So, so I want to kind of step back and, and like just for the listeners and, and just to create some more context here. It's really interesting, right? Because again, we, there, there comes a time, like I think back to when I was a, a, a child, right? And in, in the childhood years, a girl child is, is full of herself. She is, <laughs> she is completely in touch with her full potential. And she is so, you know, exuberant and wildly tuned in and Mm-hmm. very much aware of her own sensuality. And when I say that, I don't mean sexuality, right? Because sexuality is for the male experience, the male, you know, like, but, uh, but, but the feminine is a very sensual, like the way that we're built as women is literally like our nervous system is built to intuit the world through our sensory system. And unfortunately, when we cross over that bridge from childhood into maidenhood, instead of being the subject of our own lives, we then become the object and we become objectified, which starts to create and erode the spirit within us. And so in order to survive what becomes an emotionally uninhabitable world, we leave, we, we become entranced. If you look at the root word of, of trance, it means to depart. And what we do is we leave our bodies and we go up into our heads. And that is where we become entranced in the messaging that we've internalized from that patriarchal world, which is I'm not worthy. I'm not equal. I'm not enough. Wow. That's so fascinating. And it's interesting as well. Like when you're a child as well, like girls are supposed to play with like 
dolls and boys is placed away with like trucks they're supposed to be like going out and being free we're almost like trained to be mothers as children and then we get told like I, I spotted like in in our teenage years then we get told oh you need to toughen up you need to be this way because in the real world it's a man's world and you need to be like this so actually it contradicts itself in what we get taught whereas a guy from a young age as a boy is taught to just be like you said this like be rage have rage and just be dominant whereas we are like constantly being contradicted from a young age right well the certainly the boys are given their own sovereignty their own autonomy their own uh voices you know those things are not eroded or taken from boys in fact that those things are very encouraged So again, like I have a tremendous amount of compassion as well, because when we talk about patriarchy, we're talking about a system of oppression that, that, you know, slowly erodes the spirits of, of girls and women, and also unfortunately puts men in this box where they too are trapped. Um, They, they are, um, you know, continually having to, you know, find an outlet for their own confusion and their own rage, Um, you know, and there's this way that as genders, we're pitted against each other. And it's, it's a really, really, um, like, I see that this is now changing, I think we're in a time of great revelation. And I think that that's why these things are coming to the surface to be revealed and healed. But when you even look at what's happening right now, I love when people are like, um, you know, they talk about, let's say, um, the apocalypse, right? Um, Often you think of the book of Revelation, right? And the apocalypse. And when you really look at that root word, it means to reveal. And so when we went, when we were talking about kind of the end of civilization, I I often think we were talking about, or that prophecy was about the end of patriarchy Mm -hmm. and how it's not like, yes, of course we need to remember the truth of who we are so that we don't continue to um, kind of head towards this sixth extinction event that we're creating with our with, with forgetting that we're all interconnected, right? But the bottom line is that, you know, we really, <clears throat> we really are in a time of great revelation right now. And I do believe that what, what we reveal, we do heal. But when we can't, when we can't kind of see what sometimes is hiding in plain sight, we kind of continue to perpetuate these wounds because we can't see this invisible, invisible structure that's kind of hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking like, as you were saying that, like women also forget that we're talking like centuries before women were very in their impact, in their empowerment. They were Queens, Mm -hmm. they were goddesses, but somewhere in our history, somehow (laughs) patriarchy took over. And it's also like reminding women, like, we have been strong before we have been in our empowerment before it's just coming back home to that wisdom. That's right. And so much of, of coming back home into the wisdom is actually coming back to our bodies. Mm. Um, And this is, this is the part that I think is, is really, is really hard for women because 
we've been taught that all of these, well, first of all, we've been taught that our body is sinful. We've been taught that our body is dangerous. We've been taught that our body is dirty. And Mm -hmm. so I, I call it kind of like death by a thousand tiny paper cuts that these messages over time, they're so subliminal. And they, like I said, they really kind of do a number on us, but in order to truly remember and come back into the body, to come back home to ourselves, we have to dare to come back to the places that actually we've been taught are messy or, you know, so I have this whole thing where I teach women to say yes to the mess. And what that means is Yes, to all of the places we've been taught to avoid, like our sexuality, um, like our intuition, our emotions, all of the places that, by the way, these are very feminine, right, values. Um, We've been taught to suppress them, to run away from them. We've been taught to put lipstick on them, put perfume on them, put a put a plant in front of it, right? Like it's way, it's this way, like think about all of the women that even clean their homes before the, like before a cleaning person gets there, right? Like we have this (laughs) phobia of messes because we've been taught Mm. that a mess in our vicinity is somehow a reflection on our character rather than that the mess is also like where the lotus blooms, like no mud, no lotus. Like if we're not willing to get muddy, if we're not willing to get real and authentic and gritty, that's where we reach true enlightenment. It's not this pretty, pristine, perfect path. It's quite the opposite actually. And so there's so much beauty in this mud. It's a fertile place for women to actually go because the seeds of our breakthrough are planted in those places that we've been taught not to go. That's so much magic there. (laughs) Everything you're saying is so true. It's, it's almost like you're, you're bringing back the inner child of joy and magic. Yes. I mean, think about all of the messages, even as girls that we were taught, like, oh, don't, don't play, don't play in the mud. You'll get dirty. Oh, you're going to ruin your clothes. Oh, you look like something the cat drug in. Go, go fix your hair. Oh, you need to put your face on before you go out there. Mm. Right. Um, I mean, all these messages over time. And, and when you think about like before that was unbecoming for a girl, right? Like that it's unbecoming for a girl to play in the mud. It's like, okay, then I spent my whole life becoming what you told me to be. Mm. And now what now I'm so unhappy. I don't know who I am. I keep seeking outside of myself for external validation because I'm a shell. I'm a ghost of myself. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for me to come back home to myself. It's time for me to unbecome, actually. It's time for me to unravel all of these teachings of who I'm not so that I can reveal who I truly am. All I can see right now is a very powerful divine feminine in her energy with her with her crown on it and her cape and she's just like this is who I am mm-hmm. this is who I came to be I'm, un- I'm unstoppable that's Oof. right 
Yeah. And I think that's what women need to remember. Exactly what you're saying is we have that ability to be in that power. We just have to unlearn to relearn who we really are. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, And it really, it really is all about that, that path to, you know, reclamation. And so it's, it's really, it's really about trusting yourself, learning to trust yourself in your way, because Gerd's way, right. Or Monica's way, those are those are independently, independently and uniquely our way. And we have to give ourselves permission, each of us to find our own way. Mm. Cause there's no one way to unbecome there's your way. Mm. Again, that's like linked to the people pleasing, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we're so used to, women are so used to following instructions. We that's obey right. to everything. We're like, Oh yeah, because we want to people please, but actually it's about pleasing yourself. And I think a lot of women find that so difficult to please themselves. Yes. Um, I also, um, you know, love to kind of look at all of the things that come into the discussion when we start to talk about pleasing ourselves, because what that means is that we start to really look at what at the tools we might want to start cultivating, like maybe we start recognizing, you know what, I'm actually not great at, at, at putting boundaries up that protect myself. And I think of boundaries, like the inner light, like think of like birthday candles on a cake, right? We're always putting our our hands in front of the candle so that the, so that nobody on the outside can blow out the flame, right. Until we make our wish. Mm -hmm. It's a boundary is like that. It's like, we're putting our hands in front of our inner light so that nobody can blow out our inner light. And so we have to learn how to get really good at saying yes, when we mean yes, and no, when we mean no, Mm -hmm. and understanding that a no out there means a yes for us. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you're saying that because I actually remember the first time I said no to somebody and I remember my voice shaking because <laughs> mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, what will this person think of me? But the more you do it, the easier it, it's like a habit. Like you said, it, it's like the easier it'll become. It, the easier it'll become. And I really love the quote. I don't know who said it, but I love the quote. No is a full sentence. Oh, Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> you know, it's like with like I love it when a woman does not have to apologize or defend her decision. Mm. Right? Have to explain herself, right? I feel or like explain. Really... Yeah. I mean, Ugh. it's just like no. Yeah. No. Because we do, don't we? I've noticed women just in general, even from a young age, like I, I don't do it now. And if I catch myself, I'm, I stop. And like I, I see it even with people I know, they you know they'll say no and I'm like okay that's cool or yes but then they have to explain so much but a man never does that man Mm -hmm. just goes nope that's it done Mm -hmm. yeah but women we seem to love to explain ourselves yeah well and it and it goes back to trying to make it all nice for everybody else Mm. and so it's it's really starting to it, it really is a practice right and I and I and I say that for me, the revelation project is my practice. And and it's my way of inviting other women to practice with me because if I'm not, so I I have an expression that 
if I'm over there, right, worrying about you, I'm doing your revelation project. All I need to remember is to do my own revelation project and not do your revelation project for you, right? Like there's this way that I think, again, as women, we can tend to think it's our job to fix and soothe and advise everybody else. But when we stop holding it together for everybody else, what we do is we start treating people as they should be treated, which is as creative, resourceful, and whole the same way we want to be treated. Yeah. I think as well, like with the whole thing about wanting to fix and save, like something I've learned over the years, because I was such a people pleaser growing up and a highly sensitive person is that if you keep trying to save people, you're actually stopping them from learning their own karma and what they need to learn. And actually you take it on yourself. So actually you're putting more (laughs) burdens on yourself and there's, there's no point doing that. Like you have to really do your own work to really come back home to yourself. And then once you're in that energy, then you have those healthy boundaries and then you can help somebody. But again, nobody can fix anybody or save anybody. We can't do that. It's, it's not within us. It's, it's, it's such a great lesson. And I'm kind of laughing because I'll never forget. I had this really wise woman as a therapist when I was um, exiting my marriage and I'll, I'll never forget saying to her, um, you know, I, I don't know what to do because if I leave him, I don't think he'll be able to care for himself. And, and she was, she just, she just kind of looked at me and she goes, how arrogant you are, Monica. And I was like, what? I'm not arrogant. And she's like, no, that's arrogance. And I, and I just, it, it, it like, wow. It like floored me to see it that way. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right. To, to like, yeah. think that I knew better, what was better for him than he did. And mm. right. And, and that I would actually sacrifice my life, which by the way, I learned through my own parents' relationship, my, you know, again, like these are the messages that I think we need to interrogate and look Mm -hmm. at more closely. Like I was taught that love was when you sacrifice your love for another. I was literally taught that. I hear you. I, I really understand that. Like that, like growing up, I have a similar understanding of that. And that's all you do. You serve, serve, not just your family, not just your friends, not even just your partners it's even random strangers (laughs) that's right it's right it's just like until there's nothing of us left until we have nothing left and that's just it is when women start to recognize our own sufficiency and I choose the word sufficiency Hmm. because it's it's a word I learned through Lynn Twist who is one of my dear mentors Lynn Twist wrote the book the soul of money And what she talks about is that when women remember our own sufficiency, just as we are, right, like that there's nothing to fix just as we are, then then what happens is that the world will start to hear from women. That's enough. Like what Lynn talks about is in the indigenous 
Um, it, the Ashwar people in the Amazon rainforest, Lynn is also the founder of the Pachamama Alliance. And when wow. you think about the, the these times that we're in, these times have been prophesized. We talk about the eagle and the condor and the time when, you know, the masculine and the feminine wing of the bird of humanity that we're actually in the strengthening process of the feminine wing mm. that the bird of humanity has been going in circles because the male wing, the right wing of the bird is overdeveloped. Right. Yeah. And so as we're developing the female wing, the left side, the idea is that the bird of humanity will stop flying in circles and will actually be able to soar. And the, the way that the prophecy goes with the indigenous wisdom is that there's this bridge right now, like we're no longer, we're, we're kind of as, as part of the 21st century, we're in what is called the Sophia century, the time of wisdom. And this is the time when we start to bridge between the modern world and the indigenous world. When we start remembering that it's all interconnected, that we can no longer continue to build this unsustainable way of being. And so when you talk to the shaman in the, in the indigenous rainforest, one story that Lynn loves to tell is when the shaman took the women aside that were visiting the Amazon rainforest and the, and the shaman said to the women, when it's time for the village to have more food, the men go out and they hunt the animals. And it's the women that come and say to the men, that's enough. That's enough food. Now we have enough food for the people. And when it's time for more shelter, it's the men who go out and chop down the trees for more shelter, but it's the women that go out and tell the men that's enough. Now we have enough, we have enough wood for our shelter. And, and what the shaman said is I want you women to go back to the modern world. You have forgotten that your role is to tell the men, it's enough now. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that is it is we women cannot tell men it's enough now if we don't know and we're not filled with our own enoughness. Mm, and yes. nothing happens quicker when a woman has had enough. Let me tell you, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Plenty of people I know who've had it when they've had enough. That's it. Boom. That's right. You and can't that's stop it. it. <laughs> it's it's like you can't unring a bell. When we get it, it's like boom, things mm. start to change. But we're in a trance. And that's why I say, like, what we really want to be doing right now is the work of unbecoming, which is also the work of disrupting the trance of unworthiness. And how we do it is by coming back into the body, by moving, by rewilding, by dancing, by yoga, by, you know, um, getting out in nature. Like there's so many ways to disrupt the trance by, by having a circle of sisterhood so that when we forget another sister can help us remember to straighten our crown. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> Gosh. And um, we are coming towards the end of the show. I, I really want you to keep going. <laughs> wow. So much Thank magic. There. Yeah. Well, it's just, it, you make it so easy. It just, it's just kind of flowing in this moment, but thank you. It's just been really a passion that ever since I had my awakening that I just, I'm like, God, this is, this is 
this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like we have, we, we have so, so much to give so much to offer and Mm. yet we're silenced. Yeah. And, and, and so it really is about disrupting this trance and coming back home to ourselves. So that's that you just heard my passion come out for women, because it's truly where I believe that, that this whole planet, that this whole world comes back into right relationship is through remembering the feminine. Absolutely. And I, I, all I could hear was the divine coming through you. That's what I, that was a message I could hear. And yeah, we do need divine feminine more than ever. However, I also think we need to balance the masculine and the feminine together. I think the masculine has been here for so long, but the feminine has, I feel like the feminine has been rising, but I feel like there needs to be a balance of both. What would you say? Oh, I couldn't agree more, but, but, but I would, what I would say to most women who are listening is like, um, we've got the masculine down actually it's overemphasized. Right. And so, so like, I think we, we don't give ourselves enough credit in this way as well. Like we, you know, so many women learning about and understanding and incorporating the feminine is also daring to get selfish. And, Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because we have such a phobia around that word and that concept, but it's this idea of truly filling ourselves. There's this idea of like the mother archetype right? And when I talk about the mother archetype, I'm not talking about needing to be a biological mother. I'm talking about most women are in what's called wounded maidenhood, where they've, it's almost like they came into bloom as they should have into maidenhood, but the patriarchy wanted us to stay there because that's where we um, are still innocent and very, um, you know, compliant in some ways, right? Like, and there's this way that when we cross into the archetype of the mother, that we understand that, that we have this endless well of resources available to us when we're fully in our power, which is by the way, why the patriarchy doesn't want women fully in our power. Right. And, and so when you think about this well of being, it is our well being. And when we Mm. fill it, when we fill it up, when we truly, truly just nourish ourselves to the point where we can't even take another drop of receiving and love and support and guidance and celebration. That's when we can give endlessly from our overflow. But right now women are these empty vessels. We're ghosts of ourselves. And so we need to do the work of fulfillment. hundred percent. And I agree with everything you're saying, because for me, like back in 2012, when, when I started my journey, you know, I, I did a lot of inner healing and a lot of work. And then I went back into my masculine energy in my business. And then it took till 2015 for me to slow down. Like I kept fighting it, Monica. And then I like, I was living off three hours sleep, like a nutter for like a few years. And my body just shut down. <laughs> I know it's, it's so true. It's just like, we, we hit this wall where we just can't do it anymore. And this is, yeah. this is, these are all signs and symptoms telling us 
nourish, go within Mm. rest, right? Rest. And, and I love, there's actually this great website. Um, uh, there's, it's this whole movement called the nap ministry and the woman who founded it says rest is resistance. And it's this beautiful way of kind of, again, unbecoming from all of the ways we've been taught Mm. through the patriarchal pace, right. To keep, you know, doing and doing and doing. And, and yet we're so out of balance because we're not focusing on our being. We're not mm-hmm. focusing on resourcing ourselves. And so therefore we can't give the way that we naturally want to give, but to go back to what you said, it is about integrating, but first we have to remember the feminine. Then we integrate with the masculine. And that's when we really start experiencing what I now know as heaven on earth, because mm. you, I go back to the beginning of this conversation and you said, who were you? I was <laughs> cynical. I was resigned. And I honestly wanted out. It wasn't death that scared me. Life scared me. I, I was like, who, who can do this is so hard. Like death seemed easy. Right. And, and that was, I mean, when I think back to who I was, it was like, I, I was not, it's because I had lost my spirit. I wasn't even breathing anymore because the patriarchy, I I had what I call breath hunger where I could never get a deep breath. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, I hear you. I really do hear you. Oh. Yeah, Yeah. it's so true. Like, yeah, you're right. You do have to go back to the feminine first. And that was my big lesson. Like, no matter how many times I kept pushing, my body was like, nope, you need to slow down. You need to have me days. And then I had a a kidney problem. So basically I ended up having to like slow down and have an operation. And through slowing down, helped me to rebalance who I am now and helped me to soften and be kind to myself and be gentle to myself and like not feel ashamed for saying no. And then you're right. Then I had to balance both together because then I became over in my feminine. <laughs> so I had to yeah. find the, the middle ground again. And I think it's so important. You're right. Because we, oh, I don't know what the word is, is, but it's like we've been starved of the feminine for so long, not just through us, but through our mothers, through our grandmothers. It goes so back, doesn't it? It really, yeah, it really does. It really, really does. And so I think, I think part of the work and part of the, the fun, honestly, because I, I, I even don't want to call it work because it's not. <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful, natural process that we're remembering. You know, it was like who we were before the world got its hands on us. And so um, it's, you know, the body does really hold that wisdom. And so I, I really do go back to women starting to just trust what their body is tell what our bodies are telling us and also to seek women who are holding pieces of these you know remembrances so that women so for example if there's if you have a listener out there gird who's like well what does she mean right when she's ta- when they're talking about embodiment there are embodiment coaches right there are there are women's circles that are focused on helping women get back into their bodies through dance or movement, right? 
um, there's, there's yoga, there's, there's a number of different avenues, but that that gets to be part of what, what you decide resonates most for you. And then that's one of those pieces. And I think that if we just start somewhere, that's where our, our spirit starts to come back and and it's still there, but it's, it's like, it's, it's like deep down, right? There's that, there's that voice we were talking about and it's learning to listen and hear that voice, which becomes louder and louder as you reclaim pieces of yourself that you had abandoned along the way. Beautiful. I really love that. Wow. What, so what would your five top tips be for someone who wants to kind of reveal their truth, but they don't really know where to start? Yeah. Well, you know, I teach something called the seven steps actually to feminine freedom, but I can easily um, put it into five steps because (laughs) it's, it's the, the first step is really, first of all, just, just kind of noticing um, what is there to reveal? Like what, like maybe for your listeners, there's like something that they're pretending not to know. And so by revealing it to yourself, like really being transparent with yourself or the somebody that you're in relationship or someone you can trust, where you can say, you know what, this is my truth to reveal that thing. The first step is that noticing and the transparency, because that revealing of that thing that you've been hiding, that truth that you've been suppressing and stuffing down is the very first act, I would say, of something called from revelation to revolution, right? It's like that first mm-hmm. act of, of kind of saying, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to start speaking my truth and I'm going to start aligning with who I really am. And even if you don't know that truth yet, just telling the truth closest to you is the first step, right? And so even if that's admitting to yourself, I'm deeply unhappy and I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, that's, that gets to be enough. That's what you know today, right? The second step is what I call the reckoning. And this is the part about saying yes to the mess, because the second that you start revealing this truth to yourself or to those around you, things start to get messy because people want to keep it's like, it's like when I got a divorce, right? Suddenly I became like contagious. Nobody wanted me at their dinner parties. And I laugh because it's just, it's just, it's so uncomfortable for people when we change because Mm. they, they have a vested interest in us staying the same, right? It's more a reflection on their discomfort than what is happening with us. And so it's saying yes to the mess and recognizing that sometimes we need to be courageous when we're facing some of these messy situations and to not abandon ourselves and and to just continue to put your own hand on your own heart and say, I get to be messy. It's where we remember our right. I have the right to be messy. I have the right to speak my truth, right? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so the third step I would say is reflecting. This is where we get to really just clear the assumptions 
that we've had or clear up, you know, where we've been maybe assuming an identity that's not really ours. And we get to do the work of kind of reflecting, like, does, does this identity really work for me? Is this identity kind of keeping this untrue version of me in place, right? And so that reflection process is also like a revelation, right? Where we get to kind of explore who am I becoming? Um, And then the next step I would say is about reauthoring because we get to start to disrupt the story that we've been living in and we get to kind of pick up the metaphorical pen and reauthor the story that we want to create and tell about our lives. And then, you know, the last step is really this reclamation process where we get to kind of look at the inner child in us who has been telling us all along when she feels uncomfortable, when she feels unscared or unsafe, when she feels scared. And we, we haven't been listening to her, right? And we, we kind of chose other people over her, right? We chose belonging to them versus belonging to us. And so it's about remembering all of those places that we abandoned an aspect of ourselves where we left her kind of hurting or wounded and we turned our back. And that's about coming back to reclaim those parts. And we get to just restore, you know, not only our faith, her faith in us, but our faith in ourselves. Beautiful. Wow. Those were amazing five tops. Thank thank you for sharing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Bless you. I just, yeah, I know it's going to help so many people. Um, I've just got two more questions left. <laughs> sure. What are you most grateful for? Oh, gosh. <laughs> my, I mean, I'm so grateful for my children because oh. my, you know, it's true that at that time in my life, I wasn't strong enough to do it for myself. I didn't know what self-love was at that time in my life, but I knew what a love for my children was. And I don't know if I would have done it at that time in my life, had it not been for the love of my children. And so I am endlessly grateful for their divine presence in my life oh that's so sweet <laughs> mm. oh bless yeah what shines your inner light oh what shines my inner light is conversations like this <laughs> truly I mean I think it's why I too have a podcast it just for me mm. It's like we live our lives in a conversation. And so it's all about the conversation that I'm honoring. And the conversation that I'm continually honoring is the conversation of the feminine and and Mm -hmm. remembering the feminine. And so for me, that truly like lights me up. It just stokes that inner fire inside of me. And and that's where I I feel like I shine my brightest light. I love that. 
thank you so much, Monica, for just being yourself and saying yes to that day to the mess and really Mm. taking your power back and standing back in your divine feminine and showing other women the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's been such a journey as you know, and I love Gerd that we started this conversation by you telling me that the origin of your name is lamp of the teacher. Is that right? It is. Yeah. And it means dark um, from darkness to light. (laughs) Well, and there, and there you go, right? Like (laughs) your light shines my light. Thank you so much. Oh, bless you. I was going to say, it's so fascinating, even the whole name. So like my middle name is Cor, which means um, princess and my surname means warrior. And what I realized is I'm here to help women out of the darkness into the light and be warriors of their own Mm. lives. And your name, body chills. <laughs> Bless you. And your name as well, Monica. You were telling me earlier what that meant. And I was like, wow. Yeah. So, so I think, I mean, I have to kind of go back and look, but it means some element of like advisor, um, you know, and I, I believe that it's like sacred advisor or something like that. And it just, it just always amazes me how the universe, you know, it's like, things don't have to be like mystical, magical, like things that we see. It's more, I think sometimes like these subtle things that come out in ways where you're like, you cannot make this stuff up. Like, how is it (laughs) right? That our names become our work in the world. It's so interesting. It's, I guess it's divine contracts. So we sign them. (laughs) It's just magical. I, I love it. It's just, it never ceases to amaze me. Bless you. Well, thank you for just being you and just keep doing the amazing work that you're doing because I just see so much what you're doing and it's so beautiful. Thank you. I will. I, I so will. Wow. What a powerful interview with Monica. Gosh, there was so much wisdom and knowledge and oh, it just blew me away today. And it just shows that women have so much abundance within themselves. There is so much empowerment with us within ourselves that we just need to come back home to who we truly are and live in our divine feminine energy. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. When the womb is healed a reconnected to the heart, sacred women will stand in their power. That's a quote by Christine Page. Take care. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshandel.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit. lit.